Welcome to Thinking Deeper. Today's guest is living testimony of personal vision, creativity, and resilience. Her exquisite designs ooze elegance and self-expression. Interestingly, she started out in a pop-up in the city centre of Manchester and now dresses some of the biggest A-list celebrities in the world. I'm really pleased to introduce you to Nadine Moravi. Welcome, Nadine. Hello, Deepa. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you for being here. So we've done our little singing bowl ceremony. The healing properties have now and the frequencies have gone into the air, creating this nice open space for us to share your journey so that our listeners and our viewers can take forward some of the life lessons along your path and your career. So if you would please take the first piece of paper that will determine the start of our conversation. One of my favourite topics, motherhood. Motherhood. (laughs) Yeah, I knew that would make you smile. (laughs) What is it like being a mom? Um, I can't really fully explain it because it'll be different to each individual and everyone. But I just, I love it. I get so much enjoyment, so much feeling, so much back from being a mum both from kind of looking after them to them giving me joy in my life to just watching two beautiful little girls grow up um but I yeah I when I was younger I never really thought oh I'm I want to be a mum I'm desperate to be mum it never ever really occurred to me and I think I was always like I'm not ready for it yet um I'm it's still too soon I'm not ready for it yet and it was quite a daunting scary thought and then it just kind of felt right all of a sudden. And, you know, I became a mum later on in life. I had my first child at 38 and my second child wow. at 39. So, um, yeah, at the time that's called geriatric. You're a geriatric <laughs> mother from um, the hospital. Well, somebody was telling you that, were they? It's actually labelled that. But Is I it? think, yeah, I think the world's changing. Did you feel now. it though or...? No, not at all, not at all. Because you chose to do that, right? So Yeah, and the world's changing. You know, women are working longer. Women have got careers. Women, you know, they they want to be mothers, but it doesn't mean you have to stop everything. So the, the world is changing. And, you know, as long as you keep yourself fit and healthy, then, um, yeah, I absolutely adore it. How does it compare to your busy kind of work life? Because you're in such a fast-paced industry. Mm-hmm. How does it compare to being a mom? It's, it's kind of as fast paced, to be honest. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a great believer of like the busier you are, the more you can get done. So, right. you know, I actually am probably more successful at work since becoming a mother because, you know, in the past you'd go home and you think, oh, I've got a bit of time to chill. And I've got, you know, and you end up just sitting on the sofa or, you know, not being productive in that in that time. Whereas when you have more and more things to do, what you can achieve is incredible. So yeah, I'd say it's equally as fast paced, um, but just very different. So what is taught you like time management skills? Yeah, I think time management skills and just appreciating then time with the children. And, you know, I'm very much, you know, a lot of um, the team members at Marabi are women and I'm very much like, listen, everyone, you know, work, put everything into it, but and I'm always available to, you know, all the team apart from between six and eight o'clock. And I'm like, that's my kid time. Bath time. That's bath time. <laughs> yeah. That's bedtime. And I need to give them that time. It's not fair otherwise. And it's not asking a lot out mm. of the day. It's two hours. And I suppose if you've got other women in your workforce that are moms, they'll totally understand that. And if anything, if you're kind of setting that principle within your team, 
then it sets a precedent for them as well, doesn't it? That they see that you appreciate the fact that they are also a mom outside of their work. Yeah, and like some of the girls, they'll leave work at half three. They'll go and do the school run. They'll pick the kids up and they'll jump back on their emails at eight o'clock and, you know, do two hours then or something. So, yeah, it's understanding that and trying to encourage women that they can have a family, they can have children and they can be super successful as well. How old are your daughters? Three and a half. And um, my youngest one just turned two uh, the other day. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Mm. What would they say that you, what kind of a mom do you think they would say you are if I asked them? Um, Probably fun. I'd like to say, I'd like to think I try and become a kid a little bit with them. And I don't know. I think, I think they see how hard I work. They see, you know, sometimes they're like, mommy, can you stay at home this morning? I'm like, I can't, I've got to go to work. But then equally, on a Saturday and a Sunday, I dedicate the weekends to the children um, and to us going and doing fun things together. can tell your eyes are twinkling <laughs> every time we speak about your children. Uh, let's take another piece of paper and see where it takes us. Inspiration. Inspiration. So I remember, because I've known you the best part of 20 years, mm-hmm. and I remember you said to me when we first discovered this talent that you had around wearing dresses, uh, um, designing dresses, And I said, oh, you know, what kind of got you started in that? And you said, well, I didn't want to wear the same dress twice. So for me, you've been an inspiration because when I was working in football, I always came to you and you designed a dress for me that I knew nobody else had. Um, And now you're dressing some of these incredible A-list celebrities. Was that the inspiration for you then? How did it all start out? I think it was... It was a few things. It wasn't just, and and I do think the world's changed in wearing the same dress twice and stuff now, but it was originally, my inspiration was, there wasn't, it wasn't available what I wanted. So I couldn't go to the shops and buy what I wanted. Either everything was high street and felt that everyone was going to be wearing it and I didn't want to be wearing the same as everyone else, or it was quite high end and I'd First of all, I didn't have the money to go and spend £3,000 on a dress. And secondly, it's not really within my morals to go and spend £3,000 on a dress. So it was it was a need. It was a, it was a gap in the market, really. Um, and so, yeah, I, one day I was like, it can't be that hard to make a dress. It can't be. <laughs> but you're self-taught, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Okay. How did that start? Again, similarly, I you know, it can't be that hard to make a dress. And um, I also, I think one of my biggest stumbling blocks in this which actually helped me is I can't draw so the only way I can create what I see in my head was to learn how to sew so and you taught yourself how to sew mm-hmm. watching YouTube yes <laughs> <laughs> how's that worked out for you all right yeah I'm still learning things every single day now we're learning new techniques we're kind of every time we do new designs I think because I'm I am self-taught I'm not being told you can do this you can't do this you know things aren't in a box anything's possible everything's possible and you are actually an inspiration to a lot of young designers out there that are looking to get into the business what would you want to tell them at this point when they are on their journey you know, I, I'd, I'd love to. I love to think that I am an inspiration to um, younger designers, and I think you know, not even just for a budding designer, for anyone wanting to achieve anything in life. I think the biggest um, hurdle is, and I think the biggest thing that would stop you is fear, and I, it's it's we can control that. 
we can control the fear. So you have to work on yourself mentally to not let that take over. What was it that scared you then when, because obviously you've gone through that process yourself Mm -hmm. of confronting fear. Mm -hmm. So what was it that scared you at the time? I think nothing. I think that's why, you know, I didn't feel scared of anything. I think maybe because I didn't know anything about the industry, because I think that can be a hinder, Mm -hmm. um, hindrance. But, you know, there was nothing really. I, I, I was like, I can do it. I can do anything I want. And so I didn't really have any fear with it and I think that's what gave me the you know the 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 opportunity to take chances and and test things Mm. let's choose another one my journey your journey so I think when you look at successful entrepreneurs, one of the things that we love to try and highlight in the Thinking Deeper podcast is that we're trying to get to the real side to the person that is being portrayed sometimes or is or how they are portraying themselves. And I think in a world of fashion, um, it's all about glitz. It's all about glamour. It's the catwalk. It's the red carpet. But I know your journey was quite different. And and as much as people might just think, oh, well, she's just, you know, she's just amazing and she's just doing an amazing job. It comes from a real deep kind of intense place of, of challenges and struggle. Can you kind of share a bit of that journey with us so that our listeners and viewers can kind of understand that, you know, you almost need those foundational stages in your life in order for you to get to where you want to be? Yeah, definitely. I think um, resilience is a huge thing. And I think whenever something bad in life happens, you can either let it really affect you or you can turn it into a positive. And, you know, when I was 18, my father passed away and I I did struggle with that for a few years. And from the point of which that happened, I was on my own. I was living on my own. I was, you know, I had no one that I could, you know, fall back on really. So it, it was turning something bad into a positive in a way. And it was hugely kind of, challenging but also um liberating to be able to just say right I'm, I'm out there on my own now I can do whatever I want I can try whatever I want and if it doesn't work at least I've tried it so yeah I think it had been a long it had been a long journey and I, I look back now and have both upset and fond memories of it And in terms of, and that's your kind of personal life. And thank you for sharing that. Because I think that's so important for people to understand what builds the character, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, around a a successful story. But then even in your business life, you also hit quite a few obstacles, Mm -hmm. didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, there is always in like, even now, you know, people come up to me like, oh my God, you're doing amazing. This is great. And I'm like, but I've still got the challenges. I've still got the bumps in the road. No business ever goes like this. You go like this and you go up and you go like this and you go up. And there's always that plateau stage. If you, if you've been successful, um, you'll always have the plateau stage. So Mm. there's always issues now. There's always been problems, but you know, you've got to take the highs with the lows. And I remember a time again, because I've, I've known you for a long time and that's why you're so inspirational to me, but you know, you'd hit rock bottom at a point just as your business was starting out. What was the self-talk at that time? That's Because now when you look back, how does that make you feel that you mm-hmm. were in that space, literally with nothing? Mm-hmm. Just, just explain your kind of thought process. I think, again, I think it's like 
because I didn't really have a support network around my, around me, it was like, you've got no one to rely on here. You've got no one to fall back on. So you either get yourself out of this or, you know, there, there wasn't another option. And sometimes when there's no other option, you just go, you just go with it. And I think it's self-belief, you know, never at one point, time did I question whether I could do it so I wow. knew I could do it I knew I could get there and also I didn't want it to be easy because where's the the real real feeling of achievement if something's too easy and even now you know I don't want to go through this journey of my next kind of stage with the business with it being really really easy because you know then when you finally achieve what you've what you've set out to achieve you're like oh my god I've worked really really hard for this mm, so interesting it's a kind of notion that my granddad used to teach us all the time that when you were looking to make decisions and big kind of life decisions he always used to say the easy path was usually the one that you should avoid because there's a reason why it's so easy. And the, the difficult one was had the challenges, but the learnings came on that path. So I totally relate to that. Um, and, I, and I kind of use that uh, in my kind of uh, day to day as well. Um, and just the self-belief part of it, I think is so important. Um, I was honored to uh, to be asked to be a speaker on this Salford University um, event where we were talking about soft skills and self-belief for me was like a soft skill that they hadn't really considered and having that unwavering self-belief which is what I believe you absolutely just ooze mm -hmm. you know is it's quite a tough thing to keep charged all the time so what kind of things could you share that you might do in terms of you know principles or um, just methods mm -hmm. that keeps you at that level even when you might just fall slightly what is it that you do to kind of recalibrate your compass yeah and I think you know I do have moments like that uh, I think everyone will um I do a lot of meditation um I kind of got into a lot of that when I was pregnant and did a lot of hypnobirthing and that was crazy because that shows the power of the mind so I had both children without in a in the lounge at home without drugs without anything and that was all mental, Incredible. all completely mental. And I think from that, I was like, whoa, this is crazy how much your mind can help you in life. So even now, then I do like a lot of meditation. I listen to a lot of podcasts, um, any kind of, you know, anything that I'd, I'd listen to a lot of audiobooks. I struggle actually reading um, too much. So I listen to a lot of audiobooks and improving your life, how to cope with certain situations. And I think just the, the, the positive positivity, just always thinking positive, even if something bad happens, think how worse it could have been. And so there's a positive in there. Um, and I just think self-belief, um, is just everything. So I think, yeah, just working on myself, working on, even if, if I'm having a, a moment, just taking that time out mm -hmm. to myself going putting my my earpods on and um listening to some that's meditation you and you do a bit of running as well don't you I remember yeah. saying yeah, yeah yes so I do a lot of running I think that's my time where I can just let go again I listen to um podcasts and stuff when I'm running and it's just it, it, it's like freedom for me mm. I feel like there's a lot of discipline mm -hmm. that's in your kind of lifestyle and I'm assuming that has that come from like your athletic background or is that just an interest that you've developed yeah I think possibly um I used to play professional hockey so you know learning that training that you, you know you're training every day for 
an end goal type thing so it is I think there is a, definitely an element of the sporting um background that I've had mm. I think also you know I, I I believe and I know that, you know, you're not going to get somewhere without putting discipline into it. You're not. You do, things don't happen by luck. Mm. They don't happen by chance. Other than maybe you winning the lottery and stuff. But I still don't believe that happens by luck or chance because you've still got to walk into the shop, actively go and buy that ticket. Believe you're going to win. And believe you're going to win. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it things don't happen just by chance. You've got to work at them and you've got to put discipline into it. Amazing advice coming from you here. Creativity. Creativity. So we are in a world where, particularly for you in the fashion industry, it's it's fast paced. There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of legacies. There's a lot of pedigree. There's a lot of established brands. How do you go about developing and building your confidence to a point where you would share your creativity with the world? Yeah, I think, you know, you you see it in my collections and my designs, which have been over the last 10 years, and confidence is key. So, you know, what I'm designing now, I probably wouldn't have designed six, seven years ago because I didn't have the confidence. I didn't have, you know, even if I wanted to do that, I'd be like, oh, no, what if someone doesn't wear that or what if someone doesn't like it? And now I'm like, I think it's amazing. So I'm going to design it and I'm going to put it out there for other people to wear. So I think, yeah, a lot of it is about confidence. A lot of it is about your own self-learnings, learning new techniques. All of a sudden you can do this certain dress because you've learned a way to make the fabric stiffer so mm. the skirt will stay stiffer. So it's all about kind of learnings and Because it's not about trends for you, is it? I mean, you quite openly mm-hmm. um, say that, that it's not, you try not to do the trends. Mm-hmm. What I really find interesting about you is that it's almost like, you know, there's like this intuitive ability that you have, um, that just, and it's like the, it's like going back to the lottery. It's a little bit like the lottery for the layman, Mm -hmm. but for you, it's almost like, I just know that this is what's going to work and that's why I'm going to do it. I think it's because when I'm designing, it's not necessarily all about the clothes. It's about how it makes you feel wearing it. And, you know, as I'm designing something, I'm like, this is, it, she's going to be like this sort of person and she's going to walk into a room and everyone's going to stare at her. And it, you know, I designed for a personality, for a body shape. And also it's like, how am I going to make this person feel wearing Marabi? Mm-hmm. So I think it, that potentially comes across in the designs that there is a lot of feeling that goes into it. Love that. Love that. Let's pick the next one. Future. So this is a hot topic now because you know, fashion as most industries are just constantly evolving. Mm-hmm. What do you see? Um, how do you see the fashion industry kind of evolving over the next five to 10, 15 years? Just when we talk about sustainability, social responsibility, technology, mm-hmm. how do you kind of envisage it going? I do think there's going to be a lot of change. I think, you know, there's too much overproduction. There's too much landfill. Um, it's something we do not have any part of that. We don't overproduce and we don't ever throw anything away. Um, we either sell out of everything or we'll put it into a sale or something like that. So I do think, you know, that will change a lot. I think cost prices going up. I think fast fashion's really going to struggle. Um, and I don't think that's the worst thing. I think people are investing in companies that they, they know, they trust, they believe. 
And, you know, it's not about throwaway clothes anymore. It's about keeping things that you'll wear over and over again. And it's about, you know, if not, reselling it on. We um, we currently work with Her, which is a rental service. Um, and again, also, it's like, you know, we've got people where they'll wear the jumpsuit two, three times a year because they feel amazing in it. So, yeah, I do think that a lot of things do need to change within the industry. But I do think that... Um, businesses are making steps forward with that. And what about the technology side of it? There are quite huge brands now that are looking at buying material that has like LCD movable screens on it that you can custom make almost so that you're matching your handbag or your shoes or, you know, the the kind of look and feel of where you might be going, you know, for an event or, a, you know, some kind of um, your birthday or whatever. Um, but what are your thoughts on that? I think, you know, there's a, a place for for everything really. I can't see it's it's not Marabi because it's just doesn't go with my handwriting. But mm. yeah, I'm 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 open to everything. <laughs> <laughs> you might we might see you wear one, maybe <laughs> just to see. <laughs> okay. Uh next one, please. Nadine. Yes. <laughs> I love the fact that we're kind of We've come full circle where we're just, you know, finishing on a really um, interesting note. But, you know, the Nadine that I've known for years was a girl about town. She was the most popular. Everyone knew you. Um, you were at every single event. You were all over social media. And then this kind of lull just happened and... You know, and, and of course, you're still super glamorous. You always look amazing. But there just seems to be this whole transition that's happened, not only in your personality, but the way you look. And mm -hmm. I would say it's growth. Mm -hmm. But who is who is Nadine? I think, you know, most people... Well, who are, was Nadine in your eyes, let's say? Yeah, I think most people can resonate. You know, when you're a bit younger, you're looking for... Um, you're looking for other people to be like, oh yeah, she's amazing. She's great. She's this, she's that. And a lot of it is done for the outside world and it's not, it's not necessarily real. And this is where social media, you know, like you say, I used you say to be like for validation. Yeah. I used to be on social media all the time and I'd be like, oh, that will validate me. That will make me look good. That will make me thinking that would make me feel good. It doesn't necessarily work like that, mm. but yeah, I think, you know, I met my now husband and felt like I knew what I wanted to do in life. And then all of a sudden didn't feel like I needed everyone to see every part of my life. And I've, like you say, I've gone completely the other side now and I'm, I live quite a private life. Um, I've got some close friends and family, but other than that, I don't, I don't feel like I need that validation from anyone else to tell me I'm doing great or to tell me I look good. Mm -hmm. I love that because it just shows that you're on your on your kind of journey of, of self-discovery and self-growth, which again is, you know, what our podcast is all about. Um, this is just, once again, living testimony that, you know, you can achieve it. And just for me as a friend that has seen that transition in you, I just, I'm really proud of you because I just think it's amazing to see that once you know and you understand what your sole purpose is and then you're so focused and you're so... Um, determined to make it mm -hmm. there's no stopping you yeah so yeah <laughs> I, honestly I applaud you on that that's the podcast thank you so much I think there have been so many incredible moments that 
our listeners and viewers will be able to take forward. Um, there have been so many just one-liners that you've thrown in there that I think they will find incredibly useful for their journey. And I wish you the best, the very best of luck in your journey. I'm excited to hear what Nadine Morabi <laughs> is going to do with Morabi. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for, for sharing your journey with us. Thank you for having me.